Um, me, where do I start with you? Well, um, you start with me. Is it, is it the Wave 105, right? That's the right, The Wave yeah. 105. Are you called the Wave 105? Just because wave. you're close. Oh, you don't do the 105? No, just, just Wave 105, not the. What did I say? You said the Wave 105. Oh, so it's... Uh, you, you never, nobody ever makes that mistake. Never. You're listening to you're, the wave. You're, you're the first person. Oh, really? Yeah. You just you're listening to wave 105. That's it. You got it spot on. Was you know that's not proper English. <laughs> uh, anyway, so okay, wave 105. Yeah. Is, do you call it wave 105 because yeah. it's close to the ocean? Yes. Okay. Okay. Just checking. I just seeing how smart they were. Yeah, well, they're, they're extremely smart. <laughs> so I was going to say, where do I start with you? Because you've done so much in your life. You're part responsible for one of the world's you biggest bet I haven't, selling wait, okay, albums. Wait, okay, I got that. But you can start there. Right. But I'm not going to let you. No, okay. Well, I've, Because I've got I haven't done of, anything yet. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I think you have. Listen okay. to my question. Listen to my question. Okay. You're part responsible for one of the world's biggest selling albums. You've been in Hair, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You've opened for The Who. You were in Dallas when Kennedy was shot. You've conquered illness and addiction. You've collapsed on stage, had bitter court battles, uh, was a friend of John Belushi, gave a lift once to Charles Manson, made successful comebacks. The list could go on and on and on. Do you ever think about these things and chuckle to yourself thinking, wow, I've had well, a good yeah, time? Well, yeah, but especially when I've never had addiction. That's the one thing. Okay. So I, I, that, that's, that's a, you, I don't know, you get that in Wikipedia, the most trusted name on the internet. <laughs> uh, okay, so most of that's true. I was good friends with John. Uh, yes, I did collaborate with Todd and Jim on Bad Out of Hell. Um, what else did you have on your list? You were in Dallas. I was in Dallas. Yeah, that was, was a shot. major moment. Yeah. You were in Hair and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, I was in Hair. They paid me not to take off my clothes. I got $5 more a week for not taking off my clothes than the people that did. Okay, go ahead. Uh, what else? So you collapsed on stage for bitter court battles. I, I, I still have bitter court battles. Piss me off, too, boy. I'm always having to call some lawyer about something. These jerks. You anyway, gave a lift ahead. to Charles Manson once? Is that well, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it was. Char- I, I, I can't say 100% that it was Charles Manson. I can say about 98% because I picked up a guy... And took him up to a beach. He said, you want to meet a beach boy? That was his come on line here. I said, where are you going? He goes, I'm going up the hill. I'm going, oh, I'm not going up the hill. I'm going down Sunset. And he said to me, you want to meet a beach boy? And I'm thinking, yeah, why not? Yeah, you mean like the guys that play? Yeah. So we go, we go up to this house and we went to this log house. And, and that's where, I can't remember which one it was now, one that died, it, but that's where he lived. Right. And as you continue the story, he was, Charles Manson was living in his house for a while, writing songs with him up in that house, all in the same timeline. The guy had long hair and he told me, and, and, and this is where he started. This is where I, this is when I left. I went, you, you, he said, in a cat, you were a cat in a former life. I looked at him and I said, excuse me? He said, you were a cat in a former life. And, he, and then he started telling me all this stuff. He started telling me stuff about my mother who had passed away about, oh, less than a year ago. Yeah. And I just looked at him and went, you know what? I'm gone, dude. And I left. And But the guy really did. I really believe it was Charles Manson. So but well, I, can't, I can't prove it. Well, what I was going to say was, do you ever think about these things and then have a little chuckle to yourself saying, wow, I've done so much in my nah. life. You know what? I never think at all. I never think that way at all. I... I 
nothing about what I've ever done, except for when I've done something really stupid. Or, uh, yeah, when I've done something really stupid, I think about that. But other than that, all these other things, no. I think about what I'm going, what I'm doing, where, where are we going, uh, what are we doing next, what, how, how, example now, how, how can I keep, how can I wave this banner of hang cool teddy bear right now more than I'm waving it? What can I possibly do? And, and the reason is, is because the record is that good. Mm. I believe it's the first record since Bad Out of Hell that makes the kind of statement that it makes and that is that has the possibilities to affect lives in the same way that Bad Out of Hell did. And I don't believe I've ever done a record like that since any of the other records before this. Uh, maybe on a slight level, but not like this one. Okay, this so- one is so powerful and so strong. Last time it's I like spoke a bat out of hell in my brain. Last time I spoke to you was uh, the release of Bad Out of Hell 2. And again, the enthusiasm from you was, you know, yeah. second to none. Yeah, and, and but, the enthusiasm uh, but I was, was I mean, enthusiastic. But at the same time, I can tell you that even sitting there talking to you, I'm never not going to be enthusiastic. Of course. I'm never not going to be. But at the same time, on Bad Out of Hell 2, I was enthusiastic because what I would do and to, to not let you in to my wall and my secret, I concentrated on Bad Out of Hell 2 on about six songs on that record and said, these are unbelievable. And I left the rest of them out. And it's just like, because I wasn't, I didn't want to give that record at that point, And neither did Jim. But the record company says, you're out of time, you're out of money, we want the record. So we had to give them the record. Um, I, I'm not happy with every moment of that record. I'm not happy with every moment of any... I, I, the only other record that came close was Bad Attitude, and the record company at the last minute, some A&R guy made me put some song on it that I hate to this day. Other than that, that would have been that way. This, this album, though, when I'm talking to you, I'm thinking of it as a whole. From one to the end, there is not a single moment a single note I sang, a single note that was played, a single lyric that I think is wrong. Because I can sit here and go, uh, couldn't have said it better. And yes, I w- if you'd have talked to me then, I would have been enthusiastic then. But there's, there, I would have been sitting here going, oh God, but those lyrics in that one song, uh, I hope he doesn't listen to that one. But here... This is perfection. I've got a copy this here is absolutely, This is absolutely... I, I could not possibly sitting here today improve this record. Any other record I've made, even Bad Out of Hell, I could sit here today and go back in and go, I want to remix Took the Words. Right. But I this, don't want to do anything with this. So, Nothing. But once you've, re- re- once you've reached that peak then, what else is there for you? What's going to be next? Is that it? Oh, you got to beat that. <laughs> How are you going to beat that then? I don't know, but you just got to. It's like, what do you think I've been trying to do all these years with Bad Out of Hell? When you get, when you get that kind of... And, you know, I was reading today, like, uh, you know, like Dire Straits, when they had yeah. Brothers in Arms. That yeah. was their fifth album. Yeah. Uh, uh, U2, Joshua Tree, that was their fifth album, Right. Um, Bad Out of Hell, well, in a sense, it was my fifth album, but really it was only my first album. And so when you have that kind of... Springsteen, when he got to Born to Run, it already had three. So it, it kind of knew where to go from there. 
So now then you've got this record and you've got all these people clamoring at you. So and then it sells and then it keeps selling and then it keeps selling and it just people keep releasing it and it keeps selling and they throw so much junk off of it like they make hits out of hell. More hits out of hell. <laughs> hits you wish had been in hell. Hell hits. Hell hits hell. I mean, it was just like, and you just go, can't these record companies stop doing, how do I stop these record companies from putting this stuff? And then they put out this combination, Bonnie Tyler and me, heaven and hell. I'm going, guys, can't I stop them doing, and then it's just like, hell hell on hell on hell get it now it's something that you've been hearing for 20 years but you still need it now we've just rehashed the tracks yeah. and, yeah, and so it's just like order. how do you I, my entire my entire career has been spent trying trying everything that I could and giving every moment that I have had to give to making something that could stand toe to toe and sit equally with Bat Out of Hell. Now, is it better? I don't know. Does it stand beside it? Does it stand strong, proud, and tall beside it? You bet it does. And I wouldn't tell you that with any other record. I don't care how exuberant I was with any record I've made. Would I sit here and tell you, you know, that, and people said, oh, he said it's better than Bat. And I go back, I've never said it's better. Uh, but this thing stands toe-to-toe with it. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's completely different. And that's why it can stand toe-to-toe. It's different in its scope. It's different in its intensity. It's different in how I did the vocals. The vocal, that was like right in your face vocals. This, this is musically Track-wise, guitar-wise, drum-wise, right in your face. Vocally, it's underplayed. Okay. Can we come back? Yeah, try to the album. Try to. Because I want to. I want to ask you a few other questions. Are you Good luck. Of, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the sort of sort of person who likes to keep busy the whole time? Uh, yes and no. Um, I really love being busy, and I really love working. Yeah. But when I'm not. I don't want to know about anything. And all I hear is like, you know, I'm going to, and I have to before going to, I have to like go to the gym and things and start getting in shape and working out and getting your, getting your core situated so you can stand it. And, you know, it's like uh, Francis who works with me, you know, I hear her go, I go, I was down at the gym today for two hours. I I swam 8,000 million laps. Boy, do I feel good. You want to go to the gym? No. You know, it's like, uh, no. And and it's like, so when I'm not doing anything, I don't want to do a thing. It's like, I'm not interested in going to the movies. I'm not interested in going for a walk. I'm not interested. I don't care. I want to be, I want to sit on my computer and play my fantasy baseball, my fantasy football, and my battle night. And it's just one of these war games sort of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and is, is one me- of these, you know, where you, you don't actually see anything. Yeah. You just like, you just see the name of the other knight, like, you know, like, uh, uh, like uh, Lord Baron Aquarius, you know. And, and, and then uh, what's, Lauren, what's Baron Aquarius will be attacking you and defeating you and your whole motivation for the next 
month is I got to get stronger than Aquarius because I'm going to kick his ass. You know, it's like it's like and it's this whole it's a it's all mental. It's all you you you're, you you don't know who it is. All it is, it just is Aquarius. This, this guy I don't somewhere like in the him. world. You know, you don't even know the guy. You may be your best friend for all you know. Is Meatloaf a character that gets put back in a box when he's not needed? Or is it a case of this is me all the time? This is what you get. Oh no no no! Absolutely not. Every tour is a different. Every every tour is a different meatloaf. You you have to. It's like doing a different film. You can't. It's like my favorite things are are, are when you hear on TV and you hear an actor. They they're doing an interview with an actor and they say, "So do you watch your films?" Oh no no I can't. And they laugh. They giggle. And yeah. oh no I can't. I can't watch myself in a film. And you just sit back and you go. Wow, you just told everybody you can't act. <laughs> you just told everybody in the whole world you're not an actor. Because a real actor, uh, Olivier, I guarantee Olivier could watch his films. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would put money on it. I, I'm sorry he's not here. Michael Caine can. Because Michael Caine is not Michael Caine when he goes into a movie. It's just the same he, he, no, he's not. He's, he's sorry, playing he's a character. The, it's the character that he gets yeah, into. Yeah, so you. every tour has a different character. It's like one of the, the funniest character I've ever played is the first one on Bad Out of Hell. I see these old videos. I, I did the, yesterday a TV show called One Show, and they said, is there any videos you don't want us to play? I said, yeah, any old ones. What do they do? Every one of them. They started off with Bad Out of Hell with that character, and I just go, oh, God. And he's like so... The histrionics are so great, and he's so over the top, and he's so in your face, and so everything that you're not supposed to be in rock and roll, and I made him that on purpose. I made him not cool, because first of all, I was over, I was way overweight. So if you're overweight, you're never going to be cool and sexy like Rod Stewart. So what do you do? You make that character go the other way. You make him over the top. You make him just like in your face. You make him like, you know... Like, uh, like uh, one of the wrestlers. I, I, you know, I was person. patterned him off of WWF, I think, uh, after the World Wrestling Federation. But you still had to be that person. You still had to have oh, that haircut. Oh, that person, the... that's truth. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's, it's, acting is all about truth. And you have to go up on that stage. And if you're not, the audience knows it. it you walk up on that stage, you are that person. You're living that. It's like when they give you a hard time because, uh, you know, like in music magazines that, you know, whoa, and they give you a hard time because you don't write the songs. You know, oh, how can you possibly interpret and feel that you because you didn't write the songs? And I want to throw up on them because that's like saying to that's like going to um Going to Brando and going, you know, uh, you did that Tennessee William play. What was that? Streetcar Named Desire. Did you write that? Oh, no, I didn't. Well, then, you know what? You couldn't have possibly. That was so phony. And it's like and Marlon Brando at that point would have had your nuts in a jar. And, um, you know, I mean, it's like how lame. And I, I, it's just, you know what? That's like ignorance. That's yeah. like. Uh, it's true, true stupidity. So I coined this phrase, I see dumb people. And um, uh, so anyway, but that I don't know what the question was. Oh, it doesn't matter. There's another one coming. You live in <laughs> California now, but to me, you seem like a, you're an American who has a love affair with the UK. Are you a bit of an Anglophile? Well, I, you know, I'm, re I'm Henry VIII reincarnated. Come on, dude. <laughs> I thought everybody knew that by now. <laughs> Do you love coming over here, though? 
Oh, I, I, as long as I get a turkey leg. <laughs> <laughs> and some meat and some wet Yeah, <laughs> I got some and, and one of those little, little stools I can put my foot up on. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's a request. In the hotels, it's part of the writer at the hotels. He wants a giant turkey leg and a footstool. <laughs> Honestly, though, do you like the UK? I love the UK. Yeah. I, but I, you know what? I'm a world lover. I, I, I truly I, I truly love the world. I mean, I, I wish I could go to Venezuela and help change things. And, and but you know what? That guy's that guy that guy down in Venezuela, he's been on drugs far too long to change anything. You know, I can see him in his office. Uh, I mean, you know, like uh, with a. He, he, do you remember that? What was that movie with Pacino? Scarface. Uh, anyway, what, huh? Where, Scarface. Scarface. Yeah, this guy Scarface. He sits in his office. Uh, you know, he's got a big wall of white powder. <laughs> Arrest that journalist! Take over the paper, damn it! Who the hell are they? I'm Chavez, man! And then get Putin on the phone! You know, it's like. With apologies, of course, to yeah. the uh, leader of Venezuela. Let's move on. Right, so age. I'm not apologizing <laughs> to that dude. In case he sues me, you never know. I haven't got Let much. him sue me. <laughs> I'll prove he's on coke. I'll make him take a blood test. <laughs> Right, so you're at the age of 62 now. Uh, did you feel there was more to offer your fans in the form that of Hank Cool That ought to do well in the press. We ought to get a few stories on that one, don't you think? <laughs> I think we'll get. I think we're going to get some real good hits on that one. Uh, Meatloaf attacks Venezuela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll, yeah so there's a headline. <laughs> I can see it now. Oh um, no, you know who's going? I'm going to get. Uh, what's the actor? Uh, uh, Sean Penn. I'm going to get Sean Penn at my door telling me, don't you know the hit? You know, Sean Penn went to Venezuela, so Sean's going to, I'm going to get the vengeance and wrath of Sean Penn now. I think of, I think of worse people. <laughs> anyway, 62 years old now. Did you feel that there was more to offer your fans in the form of Hank Cool Teddy Bear? Oh, a lot more. I still have a lot more to offer. I'm not, it's like, then you know how many times in, in the last 30 years I've been asked the question, so, Mead, what's what's the highlight of your career? And I go, Excuse me? Well, you know, what's the highlight? I said, I haven't had the highlight of my career yet. If, I have a, if I've had the highlight of my career, why am I still here? That would be the stupid... Any, anybody in the entertainment business that gives you the highlight of their career, they're gone. They're gone. Finished. They're, they're gone. Coming. It's over. Oh, the highlight of my... Well, they go, well, no, up to now. Well, no, there is no highlight up to now. Because, you know what? I'm still learning. I'm still moving forward. I'm still, I've still got a lot of energy. I've got a lot left to say. I've got a lot left to do. I've got a lot left to, not to prove to you, a lot left, a lot left to prove to myself. Right. I'm not, I don't, yes, in some ways we all, all celebrities seek approval. We, that's just in the nature of it. But to be truthful, if you really ask somebody like a Clooney or, 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 um, an Ed Norton or or uh, some of the, you know, Clint Eastwood. Clint, why are you still doing this? Because Clint Eastwood still has something to prove to Clint Eastwood. And and I still have something to prove to me. And and I and I'm gonna keep going for it. And I and just keep moving towards it. And I wanna get better. I'm looking for that moment where where everything comes together. I mean this is a moment where everything came together and that inside that CD, that's real truth from from the second one to the last second, where the other ones haven't been. They they come in and out. This is real truth. So now I'm looking to find real truth beyond that, trying to find improvement beyond that. Is it 
a concept album because there is a story that runs... Oh, yeah, runs... it's a definite concept album. It's a concept album that everybody that was working on it, with, except me and Rob Cavallo, didn't know anything about. And even left Rob Cavallo hanging behind because I was moving so fast because what was happening... This is how it really happened. I went into this studio. We started with uh, 21 songs. Mm. And we started on uh, June 3rd of 2009 at 1 o'clock. <laughs> and, and we went in and we, and we played it. We, the first song we cut was Los Angeles Loser. And we cut that and everybody's going, wow, this is fantastic. Meat, this is great for you. I, I know. And, they, and everybody's saying, it's like a meatloaf song, only not. And the people around me were getting how it was like, because it's a story song, because it's a, it's it's just not, it's not this over-the-top kind of song, but it is a story song, and it has a real character and has a real attitude about it, which makes it very meatloafish, whether it sounds that way or not, it really is. So everybody got that, and then we did uh, Like a Rose, and everybody's going, well, that's kind of the Beastie Boys, and I go... I, I couldn't tell you if it was the Beastie Boys or not. I don't really. And they go. Then they said, "Don't you remember? We got to fight for the right." And I said, "Ah, oh, yeah, I guess so." But I said they didn't go to a real chorus and they didn't go to that bridge. No, but they just started up that. I said, well, it's not like Beastie Boys. And so, so I said, "No, it's a Meatloaf song because we're telling a story about this girl. We're telling this story." And uh, so we cut that, and and I said, "Okay." And then all of a sudden, Rob goes. We got one more song. We're going to cut that. But then after that, all these other songs meet. How are we going to track all these other songs to make them sound like these three? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, now just listen. I'm not telling you these songs are bad. I'm telling you how we're supposed to get tracks like these with those songs. And in acting terms, it would be called forced. Mm. We would be making tracks that are forced in that. Then we'd be talking about a different album. We'd be, it wouldn't be the same. So he says to me, you know what? We can cut these three, but these other 19 got to go now. And I, I worked a whole year to get those 19 together, had gone and rehearsed them for a month, knew all the lyrics. I mean, I was ready to roll. And all of a sudden, I'm sprung into this whole other world of things flying here and flying there and discovering this song and finding this song, having people come out like uh, like Rick Brantley, James Michael, Justin Hawkins, Eric Nally, Jake Shear, all, 24-year-old, 21-year-old, 28-year-old, 140-year-old, so, you know, but I'm still a lot younger than me. And, and all of a sudden, I've got this whole thing going on, this whole encampment going on of writers and and they're writing and I've got them in this room and that room and this room and this room and and I've got my friend Killian Kerwin working on the short story which is it was his idea I just changed the characters and the, where they're taking place about a soldier who's dying instead of his life flashing backwards it flashes forward into different scenarios and I they're twilight zone scenarios they're really scary scenarios if you're if you think you're dying all of a sudden it's not something you're not going to heaven here it's not all you know marshmallows candy and flowers it's hardcore life and I say it's what's keeping him alive it's what's keep, keeping that heart beating because he keeps waking up going whoa holy smoke and then all of a sudden he fades off into another one and goes Wow. Okay, I hope something else is going to happen, and and eventually it all it's all good. 
And um, so, it's all regarding one woman as well, or the different yeah, it's women. It's all about it's all yeah. If you took twelve women, twelve women off the street, lined them up, and just had one face, and were able to put them on them, you would have twelve different women with the same face. So each song is about except for one, which right. is California isn't big enough, which he gets fed up with the whole thing and goes off and finds a hooker and falls in love with a hooker who has no idea who he is, and he starts stalking her. And then he realizes how crazy he is on that one. That's one of those uh, things where the album is explicit. And it took me a long time to go there because I'm such a prude. But I said, I'm an actor, and the character needs to sing this, so uh, it's it's what it is. And so, uh, you know, and when when people hear it on an album, they go... Oh my word, did he just say that? Oh my, the smut. Oh well, it's my. Not that, it's not that bad a lyric. I mean, this no, is the I one about that, the, with the but pockets. If, but I understand that yeah. from your point of view. But 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 I had somebody the other day call it smut. Well, if it's going to have that kind of smut, I'm just not interested. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're watching TV. They're watching people get shot. They're watching people get killed. They're watching... Babies die. They're watching buildings burn. They're watching the news. They're you know a hundred, and it's like and and one word is gonna sh- you know got yeah. oh my god I'm gonna have to call the priest and confess my sins for listening to this song. Oh my word! I heard that word and I can't believe it. Not that you haven't heard it eight million billion times before, but if it's on a record, it's just like oh the shock. Oh, the shock. I, I don't know if my heart can take it. I really don't. I'm, I'm ha- Call the doctor. So, and, and finally, that's a bit of extreme and exaggeration the, on my point, but that's, that's how people one, but are. But then we wouldn't be an eatloaf if you didn't extreme, <laughs> extremely exaggerate. Think? <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Uh, Elvis in Vegas was written by John Bon Jovi. Yeah, well, he does. I, I changed the lyrics to fit the story. He doesn't know that yet, but he'll be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them, just a few. Uh, I changed about six, that. seven lines. All right, okay. That, he'd, he'd be okay with that, would he? Ah, uh, he'd be okay. okay. He won't mind. Uh, um, he's happy that he he's going to be happy the songs on the record that Rob Cavallo produced it and that it sounds as good as it is, and and I. I I, I think all of us did a spectacular job with it, including John. Well, the the, the reviews have been fantastic. And you've mentioned already um, uh, that you've had Justin Hawkins of The Darkness, uh, Brian May of Queen, Jack Black as well, who, of yeah, course... Yeah, you know, what? it's not about... You know, peop, they, the record... See, I wouldn't have... I would have had their picture in there to say, you know, this is my friend Jack is in here. But I, 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 I would have... If it would have been us, if you... I wouldn't have told you... But they want they you they like it's a marketing tool for them, but for me, it's about these people. I have a connection with these people, and if Jack couldn't have sang the part, he would have been on there. He wouldn't have been on there, right? Not and you know he could have begged and pleaded with me, and I would have said, Jack, you're not right for this, dude. I love you, but you're not right. Hugh Laurie, if he couldn't have played piano, he wouldn't have been there. Cara. Cara was a fluke. I mean, Cara Diaguardi, I know she doesn't mean as much here as she does in America, but it was like I had her out here writing lyrics, and I, she is the only one that actually figured out she was missing something, where she kept arguing with me, look, you're trying to get something across here, but you're not explaining it to me correctly. What are you trying to say? And I said, well, no, we're saying it, because I didn't want to tell any of the writers the story. I didn't tell him the story. In fact, I was moving things around without Rob even knowing it. So like on, on Love Is Not Real, the whole middle section about my girlfriend doesn't want to know me. I heard that over there and went, oh, if I can't have you, that goes with that. Let's move that in there. And and 
it just I just kept moving things around. And what, what the best line of the whole album was this: "We're in mastering. We've mixed the record. We've mastered the record. We're listening back to the. We got a record company coming in." And and we listen to it, and Rob and I are listening to the record. We get after Song of Man. We fin no, we finish. Did you ever love somebody? The big ballad, which is oh God, it's tear jerking. It really is. I've had seven. It's true, not fans. Seven journalists, big time journalists, in tears when the song was over at these listening parties. Oh, oh, wow. Turn around and look at them, and they're going, "No, don't look at me." And and I just went, yes, journalists crying. This is a this is a this is a whole other thing. So anyway, Rob turns to me at the and he says to me, "Wow, these vocals are spectacular." And I I went, "What?" He says, "Your vocals are spe." I said, "Rob, you've been listening to them for months." He goes, "Yeah, but I never really listened to them." And I said, "What?" And then I figured out what he was saying. He'd been listening to him technically the whole time. Right. Well, you know, for me, for him, because he's producer, do you understand the word? Is it the right pitch? Are we in the right time? Do we have? And and then all of a sudden he sat back and he wasn't listening to it technically. And he just goes, "Wow, you're a really good actor." I said, "Thank you, Rob." So anyway, and I, 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 to me, these these are the best folk, truly the best folk I've ever had on a record, because everybody else is always. St- stolen my nuances from me they've taken my moans and my growls and my extra words and my things and me wanting to go up on a melody and i i don't care if they're telling us we got to stop i'm not stopping i'm here get some hammer and nail close that door so anyway um (laughs) no rob didn't take any of that away and and i you know i learned the songs after because it's really hard i'm not very fast I learned the songs, and then I went back to all the songs because I wanted complete takes on things. I didn't want, I didn't want edits because when they comp a vocal, a lot of times the nuances get gets lost. And so what do you mean comp? What's that? Is that well, that, they comp a vocal all the time. Is it compress or no? No, they, they you'll do five takes of a vocal, oh, see, and right. then they take the best of the five and right. put them together. Okay, and and it's like yeah, sometimes you do that because there's some special little moments in there that, but they all have to work seamlessly. And a lot of times when they comp vocals. The producers are only interested in is it on time and is it the right pitch and and to hell with the drama of it and and to hell with what it really means and the flow yeah the flow yeah it's but singers don't think that way either singers think oh well yeah that's a great note I've hit oh yeah let's put that note in there but they 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 forget you know you're talking about the balloon is red and all of a sudden you go red and the audience is going huh what's he talking about and so. It's like the, the the vocals are great. The music I've never heard better people play. I'm an I love this record. Well, it sounds as though you do, and I've got to ask you finally: Will you feel offended if it's not a commercial success? I mean, do you take these things personally? Yeah, I, in a sense, I will. I will feel offended just because I will feel that this record really. Other records, I would say no. You know, I, I did it, and I did the best I could, and that's how it goes. But this one, yeah, I would say, yes, I'll be offended because I think it deserves to be heard, and I think it's an important record, and I think it's an important record, and I know this is some kind of... People go, oh, it's just it's giant ego. But no, what I'm saying is I think it's an important record in the music business today because... It is a record, and it is not a lazy record. And you're dealing with somebody who really cared about 
what he was giving to the public and not just another popcorn commercial. And it's like, I really, I live this record. I breathe this record. And, and it is alive and it is worth hearing and it is worth paying attention to. And I, you know, if we had a whole bunch of these kind of things and everybody was doing it, then it wouldn't be that important, but everybody's not doing it. Everybody's not, Everybody is sweating blood over their stuff. So there's why there's people out there that do, but not everybody. So that's why you're working hard to promote it so Absolutely. Much. Excellent. Well, I wish you all the and best. And you just got about a pint right now of blood. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all the best. Uh, Hang Cool Teddy Bear is out in the shops today. Uh, meatloaf, I've got to say thank you very and even much. even if you think you're welcome, and even if you think I clown, oh, I don't like that meatloaf stuff. That I guy's like- a clown. Because I dare you to listen to it. Okay. Excellent. Meatloaf, thank you very much you're for welcome. talking to me today. Okay.